Hi, welcome to Piloting. I'm Renee. And I'm Melissa. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. Of course, the minute we started recording, I felt like I had a little hiccup in my throat. (laughs) I think I'm okay. How are you? (laughs) Every time. Um, I'm feeling really good. You know, the elation and feeling that you get Mm. after you book a trip? Yes. That's the feeling that I'm in right now. So it's like post, it's like uh, the pre-excitement, like the flights are booked, Mm. non-refundable, you can't take it back. And so you're like, okay, it's happening. Um, Yeah. So that's how I'm feeling today. Booking trips, baby. Oh my gosh, that's that's one of my love languages, honestly. <laughs> booking a trip, that's fantastic. Well, when this episode comes out, I'll actually be on a trip, so that that's really exciting. I love that yes, we're you will. keeping busy and, and doing things. Actually, the, yeah, the day after this podcast launches, I will be on my trip. <laughs> oh my gosh, look at us just jet-setting around. Oh yeah. Um, but how are you doing today? Good. I'm good. Um, no complaints, which is a good place to be. What about you? Yeah. No like complaints that. as well. Um, it is, I guess, oh yeah, it's September, so it's my birthday month. And I know. Your it's... birthday will have passed when this comes out. <laughs> it will have. But we are in like true Virgo season, which Whoa. I love. Like Virgos are known for just I don't know. It's like a good – it's like the transition between summer and fall, back to school, that organization. Like, you know, Virgos are really into like planning and cleansing and starting like a new chapter. And so for me, I always love this time of year. Mm. Um, I always liked starting school. I don't know if I'm like in the minority there, but <laughs> – I, I, I was I was a bookish kid, so I loved – I loved back to school. School too. Oh, oh my gosh. I wasn't like creative enough for like summer. <laughs> oh, well, I we've talked about this before. I love summer. You're a summer gal. Um, but speaking of uh, back to school and all the books, we have another book club episode today, mm-hmm. which I know is one of our personal favorites to record. And this week we are talking about Everything is Figureoutable, the New York Times number one bestselling book by Marie Forleo, who is the host of the award-winning Marie TV and the Marie Forleo podcast. So before we jump into this book, I have been a fan of Marie Forleo for years. I have watched, no exaggeration, probably hundreds of episodes of Marie TV. I like discovered her in college and I just like her approach to building a business and a life that you love. And this book is really fantastic. It's about her philosophy that everything in life is figureoutable and that you can do what you want to do. And it's it's super empowering. Melissa, I know this book was um, really popular with you. I know you were really excited about it. What's, what's your mm-hmm. take? So Unlike you, and I love this contrast that we have right now, I did not know of Marie Forleo probably until the more recent of years. And even then, I wasn't, quote, drinking the Marie Kool-Aid, and now I'm, like, chugging it. Like, officially, like, (laughs) chugging it, 
we'll take shots of it every single morning. You know, like I am drinking the Kool-Aid really hard. And I finished reading this book this past week. And within this week, it has I've already seen the positive influence and benefits it has on my decision making and on my mindset. And so I'm super, super pumped to talk about this. And I'm sort of bummed. Like I have <laughs> I have some FOMO that I didn't know about Marie Forleo until this year. And it's like what took me so long to read this book. But I also believe in timing and things being serendipitous. So I think reading this book in this moment was meant to be. Um, and so it's okay that it took me so long to read this book and I'm finally drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> No, I I completely agree. I think things come into our lives when we need them most. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about the title is incredible. You've mentioned before that people have said it to you before you even made the connection of where this everything is figureoutable philosophy came from. Before you got into like the meat of this book and exactly you know, how Marie breaks it down. Do you have any times or like a situation in your life where you sort of applied this everything is figureoutable philosophy? Like, I don't really know what I'm doing, mm. but I will figure it out. Yeah, I can think of two. One that was recent, like today recent. Oh. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then the other one that happened that we talked about this, about moving abroad. And I think that was definitely a more like life changing, a lot of moving parts. Things did not feel very figureoutable, but spoiler alert, it did. Everything was figured out and it was great. Mm-hmm. And that was at the age of 24, um, planning and moving to Spain to teach English for a year. And a lot of, we talked about this in our, in our podcast episode, but there's a lot of moving parts of getting a student visa, how much money I have in the bank, and all of just these things that you don't quite anticipate until it's thrown in your face. And there were a lot of moments where I'm like, can this even actually happen? And Mm -hmm. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't really have the money to do this. But she meant she has a very similar story about just having this like guttural feeling that she had to go on this trip and she had to be somewhere ended up meeting her husband um that's not where I met my husband but I still had a very life-changing experience (laughs) and that I think was a moment I can definitely attribute to just sort of rolling up my sleeves getting in there and taking it take taking all this large chunk of a to-do list to move abroad breaking it up into smaller steps. I can, I did not realize at 24 what I was doing in that moment, but now thinking looking back on it almost 10 years later, I'm walking myself through that process. And yeah, that's that's a moment. Um, the second moment, I'm not going to go way into detail about this because it's about taxes. And as <laughs> thrilling as taxes are when you're growing up – yeah. I mean, yeah. taxes are great. They give us <laughs> they give us a lot of great things in society. Like I I appreciate yeah. that. Long story short, uh learned some very hard truths and some expensive lessons about taxes this year. Renee can relate on another level. Mm, <laughs> a parallel yeah. level. My bills this year were not cute. <laughs> no. And but the person that I happen to be our our uh, tax 
um, preparer. She was just someone who took my curiosity and took my tenacity to ask questions and used it as an opportunity to teach me in like a, in a really approachable way and did not gatekeep information and if anything over explained to me and I ended up feeling more empowered by it but let's just say I had this moment when she told me how much we owed the IRS <laughs> I was like oh what like, yeah and I I channeled Marie Forleo of like okay who um not the best place you want to be after you get laid off however comma we were figure this out. So I kept asking questions and asking questions mm-hmm. and asking questions. And fun fact, IRS has payment plans. And so if it's something that you can't afford right then and there, and it's you owe less than $50,000, which thank God, yeah, um, <laughs> they oh, have wow. payment plans that you can apply for. And so the long story or the short story of that and short end of that is I just had that mantra in my head after reading this book is pounded in my head oh. and I'm like I'm gonna channel Marie and I'm just gonna keep asking questions things are gonna be fine this is this is okay yeah. and instead of like crying which I know probably would have been the me seven months ago of like oh, why I don't understand I don't have the money it's like actually <laughs> it's fine <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I can figure that. I mean, nothing's wrong even if you do cry. Like, everyone has their own emotional response. But that's great that you've already applied so much. Yeah, I know those were – I was a long story on taxes, LOL. Um, (laughs) No. But I felt it – yeah, I felt the magic of Marie today. Um, But what about you? Do you have a moment sticks in your mind? Yeah, I'm, I I was thinking about some travel ones. I won't recount them since they're probably very similar to yours. But another another big one that sticks in my mind was it was actually while I was traveling. So I was with one of my close friends. We were traveling on the other side of the world in Asia. We were in Laos specifically when her mom passed away. Mm-hmm. And I got the news before she did. I just happened to wake up a little earlier and had all these messages on my phone that were like, hey, like your friend needs to call her family. Like they're trying to get in touch with her. So before it had even been confirmed to me, I knew I'm going to have to wake up one of my best friends and give her the worst Mm -hmm. possible news. And I'm really young and grief is complicated at any age, even if you've been through a ton of grief, you know, and I won't go into too many details because it honestly makes me emotional to talk about it. But I just remember as soon as I woke her up and was like, hey, you like need to get in touch with your family. Um, And, you know, she was on the phone and all of that was falling. I remember texting my mom and being like, what do I do? (laughs) Like, how do I show up both as like an emotional support for someone who's just going through you know, something really terrible, but also like be a like practical, like helpful person, you know? And I remember the biggest thing in my head was you cannot fall apart. Like you cannot make this about yourself. Like you have to just like get your shit together and Mm -hmm. like fall apart after, like you need to be strong. And I'd never dealt with anything like this before, but I think I kind of, without knowing it, just tapped into this everything is figureoutable mindset where I was like, okay, what can I do? 
I can look for flights. I can help book the flight home because obviously like her part of the trip was ending. Mm -hmm. Um, I can draft the email to your boss or your company, letting them know that you're going to need to effective immediately, like tap into bereavement leave. Like I can start coordinating with a hotel. Like how do we, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was just like such a, a big thing that was happening that I'd never dealt with before. And I'd never seen someone care for someone in that kind of intense moment. But looking back, I think I just innately knew like, this is confusing. Like I might not have a blueprint of what to follow, but I know that I can figure it out Mm -hmm. and just show up the best I can. And, you know, we got through that situation and we did everything, but it was definitely that moment, like, because our trip was supposed to go on to one more country. So I ended up just going to Cambodia by myself when, when she returned home. I remember like once I checked into the hotel by myself and like I called my mom and I was like, my body just feels like so, I think like all of the adrenaline was like draining out of my body at the same time. I actually got sick that night and I just like in reaction to all of the things I was holding in that I was like, you cannot like make this about you right now. <laughs> that when it started draining, I was like, you know what though? Like I figured it out. I like, I yeah. got her home. I gave her like the... I don't know if I made the day better, but I, at least I didn't make it worse, which was like my biggest thing. Like, mm-hmm. I can't promise I'm going to make you feel better because this is awful, but I'm, I'm going to not make it worse. And mm-hmm. I accomplished my goal and like, you know, we did what we needed to do. So yeah, I think, I think sometimes you just get overwhelmed and like, it's so, sometimes you just have to like figure it out, even if you don't know what you're doing. And then you can look back on yourself and think, wow, like, it might not have been perfect, but like I, I did, I did something <laughs> and I, I feel good about what I did. And she like, she, it's wild how connected, I mean, not wild. Cause it's usually, it's literally our body. I mean, I don't know biology that great. So don't ask me questions again. Don't ask me science questions or math questions. Anytime we try to talk about science or math on here. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's chaos. She has like a like some few snippets about talking about the brain and no pun intended, but it did go over my head a little bit. Um, <laughs> but um, that was cute. <laughs> but the mind and the body are so connected. And she talks a lot about that in the book. And when you talked about sort of like at that at this moment where things finally were quiet and I was resting and I got sick, uh, I don't think it was coincidence that you got sick, you know, at all. Like it's – At all. <laughs> definitely connected to what you had to harness in those moments and what's there I think you know it's very Marie Marie Forleo of you to sort of take this moment and focus on the things that you could control so there was so much that you you can do at that time and you're right like I mean I, I I definitely can't you know, like my mom, my mom is here. Like I can't relate to that on that sort of level, but any friend, any person in need, like it's just shitty. Like you're not necessarily going to make it better because it's not better and it sucks, but you were able to eliminate so many other things 
that they were able just to focus on getting home and grieving, you know? Yeah. Um, and so much – and what your mindset in that moment and the mindset of this book is things aren't actually as impossible as – aren't as impossible as they seem, even if it feels like that. And I've talked about this on, po- on the podcast before and personally, I hate the feeling that something feels impossible. It is mm-hmm. a very – dark and it's a very heavy feeling and after reading this book I mean I don't know what life has in store for me (laughs) throws you some curveballs but I do know whatever it does throw at me like I have it I have what I have it within me to harness the power and to figure it out and like how powerful is that that we do actually can figure it out Yeah, I think it is one of, it's such a simple phrase, this everything is figure outable, but it is such an empowering, like, way to look at and approach your life. And we've talked about this before. I love personal stories. And I like the what she calls field notes in the book, where she includes these little messages or comments or letters from people who've applied this philosophy. And they've done such a huge range of things, everything from leaving abusive relationships to figuring out care solutions for loved ones um, at the end of their lives to starting a business, going back to school, like Mm -hmm. from big mountains to little molehills, like you can figure out all of these little or big things in your life. And I do think it's, it's such a, it's such a beautiful way to look at challenges, but also dreams that like even the good stuff and the bad stuff, no matter how big it is, like I can overcome these huge obstacles, but Also, I can achieve the sweetest, wildest dreams in my heart. Like Mm -hmm. I can, I can do both of those things. And I I just think, I think looking at the world that way makes me happy. And it's, it's nice that she has kind of built out this framework to help other people get in that headspace, especially when things are, are really tough. Yeah. And she mentions this in the beginning of the book too, but she, this quote, simple idea everything is figure outable. She said it really helps you find resilience, resourcefulness, and hope. And after reading, you know, that's in the beginning of the book. And then after reading the whole book, I was like, that's so true. And having those three feelings of feeling hopeful, feeling like you are resourceful and you, you can figure out things no matter what. And then you have this like built-in resilience in a good way, not in like an overly toxic, masochistic way, but you, you know, you've built up this resilience. Um, I firmly believe that this book has done that exceptionally well. And it's so easy to digest. It's easy to relate back to and implement like right of way. Like I know we, previous book we read, Atomic Habits, I felt like that book, I was able to say, wow, I can start this stuff right now. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way about this book. Um, and I mean, the way that she's broken down each of the sections, I know there's just no possible way we're going to be able to go through every single section of the book in this episode. We're sort of going to pick apart our favorite, our favorite sections and sort of walk through them. But she talks about everything from redefining and rebranding fear, 
mm-hmm. eliminating excuses, um, refusing to be refused, starting before you're ready, talks about progress over perfection. Um, there's so many relatable sections in this book that I can't wait to dive into with you. <laughs> Yeah. And I guess just to like, like you said, we're not going to get through all of it, but one of the sections I wanted to talk about that really resonated with me was eliminating excuses. Mm -hmm. I think throughout the book, she sprinkles in motivational quotes or just commentary from other thought leaders, accomplished people, people who are like making their mark on the world. And One of the sort of old adages she includes in the excuses chapter, I think, is there are two kinds of people in the world, those with reasons and those with results. And I really like that because for myself, I know that without meaning to, I can create a lot of excuses that I rebrand as valid reasons for why something isn't happening in my life. It's Mm -hmm. the reason is... I don't have enough time or I need to learn more information first or, or, or. And I, I sort of rationalize to myself all of these like educated, informed reasons why something's happening when ultimately those are excuses. Like you can figure it out. You can give it a try. She actually mentions in the chapter and breaks down three of the most common excuses people use, which is that I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money and I just don't know how to do it. Like I don't know where to start and walks you through why these excuses don't really hold much water. And that if you want to do something, if you want to take control of your life, you can work around not feeling like you have enough time. Like most of us can find an extra two hours in the day was her sort of chunk, Mm -hmm. which to me, I was like, I can barely find 20 minutes. (laughs) Where are we going to find two extra hours? But, you know, for that one in particular, she mentioned like measuring and tracking your time the way that some people do at work or the way that you might track calories or et cetera, like track how you're spending your time. And you can really look at hmm, all of those short phone breaks, like your phone screen time app, like she's telling you, like you're actually spending several hours a day on here. Adds up. I I don't know the math. But she did the math of like, let's say you average four hours a day Mm -hmm. on your phone. How many days out of the year that equals to? And it was like 76? Yeah. Weeks. You can find weeks in the year to get proficient in a new language, write the first draft of a book, take, get certified in a course. I mean, all of these really tangible goals. 76 (laughs) hours. Yeah. I mean, 76 hours, 76 days out of the year most people spend on their phones, like on social. 76 days. That's two and a half. See, me doing math. Not great. I'm, I'm um, not going to help you because I cannot. Two and a half <laughs> months. Two and a half months out of the year. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. And I, I I just, I liked that because, again, she's not trying to shame you for delaying you know, what, what you have to do. Like sometimes it might feel like, especially if you have a lot of responsibilities and people who are counting on you in different roles in your life, it might feel like I can't just give it all up and start ice skating full time Mm -hmm. today. You know, like understandably that certain change takes time, but again, 
if you break it down into smaller moments, you can start this, you can start building towards that bigger goal right now or in a couple hours from now. It doesn't have to be postponed. And I thought that was just for me a really, a really good chapter because I am the queen of using excuses, but rebranding them <laughs> as no, this actually is the smart thing to do because I'm not being reckless. No, yeah, you're being scared, which I think leads into another chapter that like we both talked about that you were really mm-hmm. into, which is the one about fear. <sighs> okay. What I loved about this chapter is because I know myself and that fear stops me from a lot of things. And I am someone who can take risks, sure, but I always like to have that plan A, plan B, plan C. And she just really rebranded and reframed what fear is actually trying to do for you. And it's not about ignoring it. Um, so one, she tells a story about how she was on a scooter. I won't have, I won't rehash all of it, but she, she falls off of it. And she had this moment of, okay, do I just let my husband ride the scooter for the whole trip in Italy? Or do I get back up and figure it out? Or am I going to be scared? And she says, I didn't want fear to calcify in my bones. Mm, and, I remember that. And that got me in my bones. Like I felt it in my bones of like, wow, you're right. Like having fear calcify you in that way, is just, it feels just so limiting hearing that. And when you, when you visualize fear literally calcifying in you. Um, and the best way to – attack fear is to move through fear. And instead of seeing fear as this thing that's there to, I don't know, crush you or for you to crush fear, it's actually there for you to listen to. So fear is more of like a friend that's sort of like tapping you on the shoulder of like, hi, hello, me. Uh, (laughs) You know, this thing that you were (laughs) trying to do, I was trying to make you feel something different but you then turned away because you thought I was trying to scare you. But I'm actually not trying to scare you. I'm actually trying to direct you. And it reminded me of a John Mayer song called Heart of Life. If you haven't listened to the song, it's a very emotional, beautiful, well-written song. And it actually is so well-written that two of my best friends have lyrics, different lyrics of this song tattooed on their body. Okay? Okay. What it's kind of a, John Mayer cult are you in? I, <laughs> that is crazy. To, I know. I know. Listen to the song. Feel it in your bones. Um, but one of the lyrics from this song in Heart of Life is, fear is a friend who is misunderstood. I know mm. the heart of life is good. Um, the rest of the song is amazing, but – yeah, one of my best friends has that tattooed on her arm. And I I understood it. Like, I, I kind of got it. And I knew that it was related to a John Mayer song that she loves. But I'm kidding you not. It did not solidify in my brain the true meaning of those lyrics until I read this book. And it is. Fear is misunderstood. It's not there to necessarily scare us. But let's use fear to transform it into creative fuel is, you know, what Marie was talking about in this chapter. And 
the only way to get over fear or to work through fear is, again, by moving through it. And she said, action is the antidote to fear. Action metabolizes it. So next time you're, you, you feel it in your bones, um, just know that fear is actually your ally and not your enemy. Yeah. I mean, I don't want this episode to just be us reading quotes from the book, but there are <laughs> so many good so ones many. that we want to share. And one of the ones that I really liked about fear is she said nine times out of 10, our fear is a directive. It's a signpost pointing us in the exact direction our soul wants to go. And she mentions in there, I think she references, I think it was Bruce Springsteen about how he gets that feeling of butterflies in his stomach before going on stage to perform. And that it's a choice that you make to, he doesn't consider it fear or stage fright. He sort of labels it excitement to do this big thing. And again, it just reminds us like we have control, maybe not what our physiological response is going to be, but how we interpret that feeling of like my stomach dropping. Is it that I'm terrified and I shouldn't do it? Or is it an excitement that I'm getting ready to do something that's going to be so good for me? And that's in alignment with where I want to go and what I want to do at that. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like so many, I like what she said about action because so much of my life and like the bigger, riskier things I've done, I've not done without fear, but despite fear, you know, mm. I have just, I think I mentioned, I've definitely told you this privately and I think I've said it on the podcast when I moved overseas and that first night of me just sitting in a restaurant on the other side of the world in Seoul, can't read any of the menu, don't really know what's going on, don't know anybody. I was terrified, but I wasn't ever going to make myself unafraid. Like I could watch 100 blogs of people living there. I could have become fluent in the language. I could have had 25 friends waiting in open arms, but nothing's really going to get that fear out of my body until I just do it. Like mm -hmm. when I moved to the US and I went to school for the first time, I'd seen American like middle schools and high schools on TV and it didn't look cute. People were bullying each other. <laughs> they were like pushing every people into lockers. Oh. There were food fights. Like I, like I did not go in thinking, oh, the new girl is like chubby chick from the Caribbean is just going to be welcomed in as Miss Popular. I was like, I don't know what is going to happen when I get here. But I don't think sitting at home and being homeschooled would have made me less afraid. I had to just like I mean, obviously, my parents were not going to do that either. So the choice was out of my hands. But you get through it by going there and you meet people and you experience the discomfort and the fear goes away and it becomes I'm so glad I had I mean, for all the highs and lows, I actually had like a decent experience in school. Um, and yeah, you just have to throw yourself into stuff and do it while feeling afraid. And then over time, the fear just gets a little, it either gets softer or you just get better at ignoring it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or, it, or listening to it and being like, thank you for acknowledging that. Now I'm going to use that to define what my next step is. Like, okay, great. Yeah. You flagged something in me. 
I'm now going to label that as excitement. And that's why I'm feeling this way. And now I'm going to move forward with excitement and not so much fear. Yeah. Um, And you mentioned, you know, we talked a lot about action and she, I forgot which, which maybe section this was in, but maybe it was like the, the start before you're ready of how you just sort of have to engage, like whatever you Mm want to do, engage. So let's say you're ruminating on thinking about switching careers and you want to start dabbling into interior design, go design a room. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like go – you know, if you want to start a DIY YouTube channel, pick up a power tool. Test it out. See how see how you like it. If you want to <clears throat> start a podcast, start having meetings with your best friend about starting a podcast and engage and see how it starts to feel. And then all of a sudden you are starting even if innately you don't feel like you're exactly ready. And we fell into this trap just a little bit, or maybe not just a little bit, maybe we fell into this trap starting this podcast where we were in a period of, okay, we need to figure out how to, we have to do this and then we have to do that. And then we have to do research. We have to find the best tool. We have to have the mic set up. We have to do this. And eventually we finally sort of tap each other on the shoulders, like, hold on, we just have to record an episode. We just need to do it. And so we were waiting for this moment for it to sort of click and be like, okay, we're ready now, when in reality, we just needed to start. And so not getting bogged down by research or getting bogged down with too many things because inevitably we just are procrastinating. It's just rebranded as trying to perfect something before it's ready. But in reality, we just needed to engage and then just just do it. And then that's when – Keeping keeping each other, keeping ourselves in motion is the best way to figure something out. <laughs> and I think I think that's a, a big point too that Marie mentions in this book. And I think it actually came up in Atomic Habits also. This idea of masking procrastination as preparation. Like saying, mm. I'm not putting it off. I just want to get all of my ducks in a row. When newsflash your ducks will never all be in a row. Even if you think you've gotten them all in a row, a new duck will appear. Like you just, (laughs) to like throw off the system, like you just have to do it and you can build from there. Yeah, I think starting before you're ready, like we're always going to be afraid of rejection, failure, looking silly. I mean, so many of, you know, we talk about this all the time. Like it's okay if, Like no one's first draft is their best draft. Mm -hmm. Your first episode of the podcast is not our best episode. The episodes we're the episodes we're recording now, we'll probably (laughs) look at them six months from now and think, "What the hell were we doing? Why were we getting excited about that?" But now we're like, "This is so much better than when we started." Like, oh yeah, you know, like. And if you just, no one's going to just pick up a paintbrush and be like, you know what? I was bored today. So I just got the Sistine Chapel in one go. That is not how life works. Like their edits, their improvements, you're never going to feel ready. Mm -hmm. Just do it and embrace, embrace feeling like not good at something or a little out of your element and like just being in your discomfort zone, which she calls like the growth zone, I think. Like, yeah, embrace being in that space. 
Yes, she talks so much about this. And I think there's a whole other book um, that was passed over to me that I probably want to reread called The Mindset. But it talks a lot about the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset and how – and she talks a lot about this in the book, right? The growth mindset of once you train your brain – because we can do that. We can train our brain to be in that growth mindset. It just opens up this portal of patience and information. And that is a much better place to live than being in this fixed mindset of like, nope, this is how life is. Life gave me lemons, so it's just lemons. Versus life gave me lemons and I can make lemonade and, you know, all those all those frilly sayings, but in cliche sayings, but it, it's so true. Um, and the one thing I loved when she talked about just be engaged, start doing things is this quote, which I'm like highlighted all in bold. Don't ever forget this, Melissa, is clarity comes from engagement, not thought. We talked about clarity with Emily, and I feel like clarity is now going to be the rest of my 2023 word of the year because it just keeps coming up and it's coming up for just very good reasons. And what she means by clarity comes from engagement, not thought, is how in the world are you supposed to how, – how in the world is – do you expect someone to know what you want if you don't tell them? And how in the world are you supposed to know what you want unless you define it? And wishy-washy goals get wishy-washy results. I know I'm just like throwing quotes from this book, but I can't help it because it's so good and it's so true that once you do things, you, you get clarity. And once you get clarity, that then sets direction and motion towards your why and towards a goal. And then you can go from there. And I'm like, that's exactly what everyone needs and what I need is I need clarity. Once I understand what I do want and what I don't want, then I can start working towards it. But right now when I'm just like, I don't know, you're just sort of stuck in this in between. For sure. I think, I think defining what you want is, I think that is the big hurdle for many people. And especially because sometimes where you end up might not have existed until you created it. Like maybe I didn't know there was a job to be a giraffe groomer. I don't know where that just came from. <laughs> Is it a giraffe groomer? Yeah. Like someone who like trims the hair of a giraffe. I don't know. Like that was the dumbest thing that I just said. Um, not dumb. Sorry. I like just the, random. <laughs> I like the alliteration though. Imagine. Yeah. You know what, Renee? See, this is what this did. The Giraffe Groomer. That sounds like an adorable children's book. It does. Yeah. (laughs) Grooming and kids is like weird. Um, (laughs) But I know know what you mean. (laughs) I know what you mean. Um, Yeah, giraffes are a cute kids thing. But um, where was I going with this giraffe idea? Oh, sometimes you don't even know where you're headed because like – the exact job description or the exact picture of my life, I might not have seen it. But I think if you just get clarity on at least the things that you're aware of, like I saw this really great video from this woman who's had like a little success in her life. Her name's Oprah Winfrey. I don't know if you've heard of her. Uh, Oh, interesting. (laughs) I should just Google her. I know. She's like (laughs) 
amazing. But there's this video with Mama Oprah and she's talking about that for in her life and she's obviously wildly successful and in the people around her who've achieved the most success, the differentiation isn't necessarily talent or, you know, having a leg up. She says, these are people who were just very clear on where they were going, Mm. you know, to use the navigation metaphor. If I know that I want to drive from New York to LA, I have a better chance of getting to Los Angeles than if I just say, I know I don't want to go to Atlanta. (laughs) Like, end up anywhere else and so even though it's hard to figure out like where exactly do I want to go what does that look like what are my dream scenario resources you know etc it's hard to figure out but like invest the time and time might take months like it might take years but invest the time to figure that out Um, it's something that I'm still figuring out for myself because you're not going to get there like you're rarely just going to stumble into it all the way you might stumble into some things that like point you in the right direction but Mm. it's good Mm -hmm. to have a an end point that you're trying to get to I'm relatable (laughs) clearly in the same boat as you and I think that is really what inspired us to create this podcast and you know figure out our own piloting journey and one of these questions she had in this book I think is is really helpful for you when you are seeking that clarity of understanding what you what you actually do want. And I can use a real life example. I am I wouldn't even use the word job hunting because I'm not actually applying to jobs yet, but I'm job browsing. And I'm using a Marie Forleo question and she goes, "Does saying yes to this make you feel expansive?" or contract it. And so I've been using this. I've been using this tool as I'm looking at some of these jobs. And fun fact, today was the first time where a job made me feel expansive. I know, jaw dropping. Because all the other positions I've looked at, it like you – and she talks about this. She says, pay attention to like how your body is feeling. Are you tensing up? Like are you like, oh, this feels like I want to puke or does this feel like, whoa – this just opened up a whole new window of opportunity in my brain. Um, and so when you're trying to seek that clarity, you might not know the answer, but just asking yourself the question of does saying yes to this make me feel expansive or contracted, that already I've been implementing t- today, this week, and can tell a difference. And it's like the the fog has left my brain and now my body, I actually can listen to my body to be like, wow you actually reacted really great to that. (laughs) Maybe I need to explore that. Maybe, you know, maybe that, that sparked something that it may not have necessarily sparked before. I think that was, that was a really good question that she asked because I think for me, I'm big on like being in tune with my body as well. And I think some of the big takeaways for me from this book were that idea of brain training again, like just, you can have a lot of control over how you react and respond to the things that happen to you. You can't control like certain things that occur to you. When she says everything's figure outable, she doesn't mean that things don't happen to you in your life. Obviously Mm -hmm. things do, but you can control that through brain training. And I think also just tuning into your body 
to give you that gut cue. I'm I'm a very gut driven person. Like I've had distinct moments in my life where things have happened that have made my body feel like it's singing. And I've also had immediate feelings of nausea where I was like, mm. not this. And it's something that I'm always working on. And I, I just look back and I think about earlier in my life when I was really ignorant or just dismissive of my body, like learning. How, yeah. How could some <laughs> of those changes like how could my life have looked different? I, I don't really, I try not to have too many regrets because I, I do think all the things that you do inform who you are and their learning experiences. But it it is interesting having this additional set of information to work with now mm-hmm. um, that doesn't always align with logic, but can sometimes be the most logical choice to make. Mm-hmm. One of the... I think one of the things that really just like surprised me and sort of like blew my mind. um, I'm going to briefly go back to the eliminating excuses section because that's where this, this is, this is where it's coming from. And I think a lot of us can relate because a lot of us might say these words maybe every single day. And that's the phrase I can't. And the way that she breaks down, I can't versus I won't. I was just like, wow, I never thought about it like this, where we usually say, I can't, um, I can't learn, I can't learn a new language. I can't forgive this person. I can't go to Europe right now. I can't afford to get a facial. <laughs> all, you know, all these words of saying I can't. And she reframed it as when we're, when we're saying I can't, we're, we're actually really saying I won't. And when we change our mentality from I can't to I won't, I won't forgive her. I won't go get a facial. I won't learn a new language. It makes that responsibility and that ownership now fall on us when we say I won't because it sounds more like um it sounds more like a choice versus when we say something like I can't. It's really behaving like a victim. And I was just like, "Uh, no one has ever broken this down for me like that." And I know myself and I've caught myself saying I can't. I might say I can't to multiple things a day, maybe multiple things an hour. And now that <laughs> that is in my brain, I was like, wow, training your brain. I really flipped the switch and flipped the script to saying I won't. And now knowing and using that as a meter for, do we actually want to do this thing? And spoiler alert, like you don't have to do it if you actually don't want to. So you won't learn a new language. And that's okay, but understand why you won't actually learn the language. And that's okay if that's not something you find passion you're passionate about. Find something else that you're actually passionate about. Um, yeah, I liked that distinction, and I think I think it's important to keep in mind. But I also recognize that it is going to be hard for some people if you're not used to taking accountability for your life. It, it is yeah. easier to blame outside circumstances and other people. So I do think it's, I think it's important to get comfortable with reminding yourself again, hey, I'm not on autopilot. I am in the driver's mm-hmm. seat. But I also understand that it might be a bit of a dance for some people because it is hard to look at things around you and say, I'm the reason 
that this isn't happening. I'm holding myself back. I don't have the discipline. I don't want to shake these societal norms to create the space to do things differently. Like it is, it's important to get comfortable with it, but it, it is a process if it's not something you've done before. So just be patient with yourself if you're on that journey, because it, it can feel heavy to just recognize like, damn, this is, this is all on me, the wins and the losses. And, you know, I think it's important to get there, but just be patient with yourself because it is a little tough. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's so many great things in this book, Melissa. Do you have any, any final thoughts or things you want to share? I, I think it's a must read. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know I say that about every book, but it, the power of surrounding yourself and consuming people who are inspirational and who just distill things down to you in a way that makes you feel better and makes things makes things feel possible, I just can't help but recommend. Mm. And so, yeah, I would a thousand percent recommend this book. Again, I will lend you my copy if you would like. Any Likewise, friends, this time I have a physical know. copy that I can lend to. <laughs> You'll have to deal with all of my green underlines and notations. <laughs> yeah. um, but the last thing I'll, I'll mention here is that she has, unlike many of these books that we read, but there's a, a workbook element to each of these books. And one of the one of my favorite excerpts, she calls it insights. What what is it called again? She calls it. Uh, oh no. Insights to actions. Thank you. Insights to actions. And one of the exercises was making a list of things and answering the prompt. Wouldn't it be cool if? And I'll just say I did that exercise. I listened to her. I did it for 15 minutes. I threw down every possible thing that I had in my brain and it gave me clarity on the things that really excited me and made me feel expansive. Um, So that's my last sort of like thing. If you do get this book, I truly recommend doing the actual insights in here. Uh, And I loved especially that exercise. But what about you, Renee? Any closing thoughts on everything is figureoutable? One of my closing thoughts is probably what she says early on in the book, which is Sometimes like the biggest lessons can come from simple phrases, like really simple truths. And so when you're reading this book, which I also highly recommend or any other book, sometimes I think we're waiting for the big psychological term, the the iPad pencil theory of personality. Like you want to have something that's branded (laughs) in these like Clearly, I'm looking at my desk when I'm making (laughs) these theory names. But, and that's great if someone has given you a cool branding of the coffee mug theory of productivity. But you can get just as much, if not more, from just simple breaking it down. So Mm -hmm. just, and she, she phrases it in a good way too, you know, like, look around at your life and don't dismiss things with this idea of always I know that, or that doesn't apply to me. I already have heard that. I don't need to learn it again. Like you're always learning. And by approaching opportunities or situations with the, with the lens of what can I learn from this? It just, it opens you up to receive so much. 
which just puts you in a better position to achieve what you want and give back to others. So don't, don't cut your eyes or side eye if something feels a little obvious. Sometimes things are obvious for a reason because mm-hmm. it is a fundamental truth. Yeah. And the simple mantras that are repeatable, she mentions that too. And I mean, how many times does she repeat that in this book? How many times have we said this on the podcast? And I think we'll we'll end on that. And that is, spoiler alert, everything is figure outable. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, I guess before we sign off, though, Melissa, what's what's your gold star for this week? Apart from this book, because I know we both loved it. But what else is <laughs> catching gold your eye? Stars. <laughs> um, so this week I want to give a gold star to Brown Noise. So we've all heard of, we probably all have heard of White Noise. We may have heard of Brown Noise, and we may have heard of Pink Noise. But unlike Brown Noise, and I had to Google this, so. I'm pulling up my tab right here just so I don't say something incorrect. But these are, if you haven't heard of white noise, brown noise, or pink noise before, essentially these are like uh, a lot of like frequency sounds that might sound like background noise. A lot of people have heard of white noise. But my goal starts to brown noise because that is what I listen to every single night to help me go to sleep. Um, Unless I just like zonk out and don't need it, which – you know, that's nice too. But there is a difference between the three. And even though I would try to explain it to you of like pink noise is louder at a low frequency, brown noise is just like a more deeper guttural sound and white noise is supposedly broadly spread across the sound spectrum. So includes low, mid and high frequency. I think you just need to go on like Spotify and Google these playlists. And if you are someone who has trouble sleeping or just need something to clear mind. I personally highly recommend Brown Noise and I'll share the playlist in my show notes of this specific Spotify playlist I listen to every night. Um, and just, yeah, shout out to Brown Noise for just really helping a girl out. <laughs> sleep is sleep is good for you. Sleep is so important. <laughs> I, I like that you'll be able to share that playlist. I, I hope it'll help a lot of people. I know when yeah. I don't get enough sleep, I am... Another person, another species, and like truly a monster. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that'll be awesome. <laughs> what's um, what's your what's your gold star? So my gold star this week is to wow my brain. <laughs> it's for Sakara. Um, it is a fresh, one hundred percent organic, gluten free, dairy free, plant based. Um, meal delivery service. Their meals contain all of these nutrient-dense, superfood-rich ingredients that fuel your body, and you don't have to worry about any of the icky stuff. It's really healthy, but also super tasty. So I tried Saqqara for the first time recently. I just tested out with three days, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can customize. They have different programs that are either pre-selected based on specific goals, detox, metabolism, reset, etc., or a more flexible program where you can mix and match. I want two breakfasts, I want some lunches or dinners, and, and they give you the menus each week so that you can choose your meal delivery based on which menus you like. And it's just so nice to not have to think about 
What am I going to prepare for these meals? Are they going to be nutritious? And more importantly, are they going to taste good? And Saqqara checks all of those boxes. It's easy. It's convenient. You have, I have a lot of confidence in the nutritional integrity of the program. And honestly, as someone who loves fish and meat, their plant-based menus are so delicious. So depending on, like, I think it fits a lot of different diet profiles, keto, carnivore, vegan, vegetarian, you can do a lot with it. So highly recommend Saqqara, um, either as a full-time addition to your life or just something to test out if, you know, you're not in the mood of cooking or if you're somewhere where you maybe don't have access to a kitchen. Meal, uh, like meal kits, game changer. And it just, to get out of your, to get out of like the cooking rut, and we talked about this before, and I don't love cooking. I want to. That's like actually a goal of mine is like to want to love cooking. I just know that I hate cooking when I'm on a like a time crunch, which is a lot of people's, <laughs> I mean, everyone can relate to that. You're like mm-hmm. rushing to eat lunch. You're rushing to cook breakfast. You're rushing to cook dinner. Um, but yeah, meal kits are a game changer. I have to definitely have to try that because I know that with a lot of meal kits, I just get a lot of meals that have a lot of dairy. And I know that's something that like you – have to avoid yeah. and I try to avoid but yeah I'm gonna, definitely gonna have to check out Sakara. yeah that'll and drop it in the show notes if you have a little referral link share it with share it with your friends please Renee Ooh, okay. I will I will share look into this yeah I, I think I must I don't know how they just randomly sent me like a coupon in the mail for 25% off and that or 20% off and I was yeah. like oh that's a big discount and that is what prompted me to actually make the first try and now that I've tried it I don't think it'll be a permanent part of my budget currently, just based on Mm. like where I am in my lifestyle and that sort of thing. But I'll definitely keep it in the rotation to like throw in every now and then if I want a little reset that is guilt free. Yeah. Um, What are you manifesting this week? So my manifestation this week is something that I've, it relates to our book and it's something I've been following for a while, but this week, I actually figured out where the quote came from. It's from this writer, Susan Jeffers, and it's feel the fear and do it anyway. I think once I started applying that to my life and just realizing that I'll never wake up feeling fully prepared, fully courageous, with no doubts or hesitations in my mind and that waiting for that to clear means that I'll spend my whole life waiting for something Mm -hmm. to happen. It really freed me up to do a lot of the things that I've become really proud of or found really enjoyable or just learned a lot from. So feel the fear and do it anyway. It's, it's something I'm manifesting this week and Honestly, always. It, it's just something I always keep in the back of my mind. That's a good one. Thank Easy, you. repeatable. <sighs> Do it anyway. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> what are you manifesting this week? Mine, I don't know if it's necessarily a quote from like somebody specific, but it's, it's again, it's one of those very like simple, repeatable mantras and it's be good to yourself. Mm. Um. Yeah, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but what, you know, I mean, I guess it is related to this book where she talks about, like, you know, some of the most important things 
that you're ever going to say are the things that you say to yourself. Yeah. And yeah, so be good to yourself. Treat yourself well. Do whatever you know you need to do and be kind to yourself, girl. You're the (laughs) – you got to. If no one else is going to, you got to do it for yourself. Absolutely. No, that's that's a great one to keep in mind. Treat yourself well. Talk nicely about Mm -hmm. yourself respect yourself and just be be good to her or him or they you know mm-hmm. I like that I know I like these manifestations they're probably I mean I love the subjects that we talk about but I love ending on these manifestations it just like us by us putting it out into the world reinforces it and makes that like and makes it tangible you know what I mean yeah and I like the sharing of it because there's so many times you've said things that weren't on my radar that I thought, ooh, I want to I wanna keep that manifestation for myself, that I enjoy also that we get to share it with whoever's listening and, and maybe mm-hmm. the right the right phrase or reminder will, will reach someone when they need it most too. And for me, that, that, that was just like would be the ultimate success is, is reaching <laughs> people when they, when they need something. Yeah. Um, well, this concludes our number four book of our book club series. We've done four. Listen, if you guys have a reading goal for your year, get in a book club, whether it's yeah. with a group of people or just one friend and a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> or a virtual book club like we do here. Yeah. That's already four books this year, you guys. Um, well, thank you, Renee, for – I. I for a, I believe you're the one who suggested for us to read this book. I think it's now like my favorite of the year. Ooh! <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you again for this awesome conversation, and and thank you all for listening and being here. I echo everything. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, everyone listening, and have a beautiful day. And just know that whatever is ahead, it's everything's figureoutable. Love it. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>